Welcome to Strength in the Numbers. My name is Andrew Codd, accountant, author, and commercial finance entrepreneur. And it's my job each week to bring you leaders in finance and business and deconstruct with them their real stories, insights, and hard-won lessons into practical advice on the key strengths and qualities you need to remain relevant in accounting and finance today, as well as the steps you can begin to take to elevate the impact you make to have a fun, successful, and rewarding career in accounting and finance. Now let's go over to the show. Hi everyone and welcome to another Strength in the Numbers show. Now there's a saying during the rounds at the moment and has been for a while that data is the new oil and analytics the new engine. So you'd think that if this is really where the opportunity is at and given how much in finance we are involved in generating and reporting the data and insights, then why are some of our skills as finance professionals only just touching the surface of what's possible and so threatening our ability to remain relevant and continue to be involved in solving meaningful problems for the organisations we support. Now these are just some of the topics our guest mentor Simon Harrison and I cover in today's episode. And Simon, as he introduces us to his career, has actually got quite an interesting one. Because at a very young entry-level role in finance, by the age of 24, or within the space of a year of coming in to one of his organisations, he ended up being the line manager of the person who recruited him. And then not only that, he went on to support not just one billionaire, but two billionaires in two separate businesses as a key analytics lead in explaining opportunities within the businesses he was supporting. So if you want to understand some practical knowledge and tips and how to get the most out of your finance and analytics, then you really need to be listening to this episode. Key topics were the surprising skill set that finance professionals don't quite yet have and the simple practical things Simon advises we can do to go sort that out. The main areas we can be open-minded on to what IT can teach us. Um, also, why we maybe need to think as finance is more of an art than a science. Why SQL, SQL is important and why we both still love using Excel in our jobs. And, and at the end of the show, we lay down an important challenge for our audience. So please listen in for that and take us up on it because you will feel the benefits in the impact you create and also in the benefits you have for your career. So look, if you enjoyed this episode, please check out our timestamp show notes, uh, the key quotes, resources, and ways to connect with Simon at sitnshow.com slash podcast slash 084. So look, so much great content in this one. I'll get you straight over to Simon. So further ado, over to Simon and the show. Yeah, sure, absolutely. My finance career started back with uh, Morrison Supermarkets. And I started there as a, a trainee accountant working within a food manufacturing subsidiary. One of my first jobs there was to start implementing a new spreadsheet software. So this tells you how long ago it was. <laughs> it was Excel. <laughs> it was probably Excel 97 or something. Um, and at the time, it was really, it was, it was, I was really in a great, great timing, right place, right time. I'd come there with some experience of Excel and I ended up gradually replacing everything they had from super calc spreadsheets of predecessors to Excel and obviously replacing a lot of written ledger work with, with spreadsheets. And the company just thought, wow, who is this kid? He's, he's really clever. I thought, well, not really. Using <laughs> <laughs> things in the right way. Um, and then from that, I then went on to be part of a team implementing the ERP system, which taught me a lot about transactional processes throughout the whole business. So really good, really being in that right place, right time, 
and uh, using the skills I had to make a big difference to what I was doing. So within a fairly short space of time, I'd gone from a trainee accountant to the head of finance for the subsidiary. That was sort of promoted three times in one year. Um, ended up, the person I worked for worked for me within the same year. That was a bit of a, an interesting one, challenge. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> wow. I was, I was sort of early 20, 24 year old, I think I was at the time. So that, that, was, that was a fun thing to do. And with that, I ended up with quite a broad range of responsibilities from usual month-end routines and processes, and also responsible for helping drive the, the business performance, reporting into the board, um, including Ken Morrison himself. So that was a bit daunting at oh first, word. but once you got to know him, and he was very fair and firm, then it was a great opportunity and something I look back on. Really liked Ken Morrison, he was a great guy. Also, with that, I had um, responsibilities for the systems, as obviously being part of the implementation, I ended up being responsible for that ERP system as well. I then, after 10 years doing that, wanted to get a broader experience, left Morrison's to join Sports Direct. They got in contact with me, and um, it was probably good timing that they did, because I was thinking about doing something else. So really, I wanted to get experience from another large retailer. And I joined them as an assistant financial controller for the UK. And again, I found myself driving within that role a lot of the IT initiatives and showing the, the finance guys the benefit of my IT knowledge. So I was showing them how to get better reporting, get their, their spreadsheets really connected into their financial system. So you could pull the data straight into spreadsheets rather than copying and pasting. And they thought it was amazing. I thought, well, again, it's not really. <laughs> There's probably millions yeah. of people doing this in the world. But uh, you, over time, you gradually realise that, that there isn't. And mm -hmm. it, is, it, is a, it feels like a gap and an opportunity. And it, I felt that for most of my career, really, that people don't really get the most out of what can be achieved with the tools they have. See, that's an interesting observation. So the tools are there, but we're not getting the most out of them. Like, I've yeah. got some ideas as why that might be, Simon, but why do you think that is? I think, I think a lot of, well, I mean, I would point my finger really at the people who put the tools in, but they, they put them in, they tell you things, you're getting bombarded. So I've been there, I've been sat in that chair, and you, you, you're bombarded with new information, and you probably take half of it in, and then you probably mm. learn another, I don't know, 25% of the capabilities, and you're left with the final 25% that you never learn, because there's nobody prompting you to learn. So you, you're really probably getting 75% out of the tools you've got. Now that's where I think there's a big market for sharing that information because somebody will know a different 75% to somebody else. Getting yeah. people to share and collaborate on it will help spread the word and help get everyone to the, to the right level really. Yeah, so that, that was my gut feeling on it because I know you're sort of saying that, and let's just say that's with some of the tools we have in finance. I sort of look at that with some of our uh, skills in terms of our softer skills, our human skills in terms of interacting with people or taking those insights mm. and structuring them in a way that it makes an impact in the business. It's one thing developing the insights and thinking, well, 
we've really spotted something there and then it's another set of skills to take those and in effect some people call it salesmanship but really just making an impact uh, with the business because it's one you know how can you say something's valuable if it's just sitting on a, a shelf somewhere not being used or people just don't get it so how do we really tap into that maybe that remaining 25 percent that's that's not getting that's not getting shared yeah i i think i think um it's all about communicating what is possible as i said earlier mm-hmm. earlier in my career just setting things like ODBC connections into into the databases. People are just absolutely blown away by it. Obviously, <laughs> when you put in Excel in, that's not a core requirement to do that. But it's there. It's it's fairly simple to to set up and easy to understand once you get that once you get that data skill set. Yeah. Which I think yeah. a lot of finance people just don't have yet. It it's yeah. I completely. I mean, that's one of the dimensions I def. I definitely encourage the the teams I lead and the people I, I work with actually to to develop on. It's a core dimension. We've got this financial analysis skill set, but I do, I think we could definitely do better on the data and tech side of things. Yeah. So I mean, I mean, like, what what would be sort of okay? Let's say people are probably a bit green or a bit have a bit of work to do in that area. What would be sort of the key things they they should be focusing on in your mind, Simon? I think um, simple, basic database concepts. So what is a table, what is a join, what is a query? Real real basic level SQL. When I was at Sports Direct, one of the things I got my team to do was to write a, an introduction to SQL package, which gave people some simple little exercises. And I, every new entrant into my analytics team there did this if they'd never come across SQL, and even if they had. And they all found it very useful and got up to speed with the principles very, very quickly. So I, I would say after six months of working with it, people really are quite advanced level, coming from a standing start. So it can be done. It's just about recognizing the need to teach people. Yeah, I actually, actually really like what you've done done there. I would never have thought about that. I, I tended to have brought people in and uh, to training, and I didn't find that useful. What I found useful was actually get exposing people to the table, saying, okay, what's... What is it you're trying to understand and solve from a information problem or an analytics problem and work back? Okay, so what data do you need? And okay, okay, this is how you'd get it in SQL. And to get people to map out what it is they needed. And I sort of learned by, helped them learn by doing. Because that's one thing I learned uh, when I was at university was SQL. It wasn't part of my, my finance education. But I found supplementing my finance experience with what I learned with SQL uh, with Excel, I think I ran, I ran a business for, for nine, ten years, pulling all those things together, and uh, and now I, even today I'm finding them all coming together very usefully in my current role. Yeah, um, same so, thing. So yeah, so so yeah, so like it's just it just feels like there is a gap there, and it does open a lot of other possibilities to um, to finance professionals to remain relevant and and add value. And people, I and I love the expression that you said it right. But, okay, I know you were quite maybe humble and saying right place, right time. But really, it's probably just doing things in the right way. This is just the way business needs to operate now. That that we need more people who know how to get at the data. If 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 indeed data is the new oil and analytics is the engine, as a lot of people say. Yes. So um, so I suppose I suppose what's what's exciting you most about your current current work at the moment, Simon? Well, I think um, my most exciting thing I'm involved with right now, obviously, I've just launched uh, Deeper Than Blue Analytics, and one thing I'm really keen to do is to sort of get that get that forum set up where people can come together 
and learn learn from each other. So we're looking looking at setting up a northern northern based analytics forum, inviting all our contacts to them, and really building that community feel where people can come, bring problems. Let's let's have a a vote on which problems we want to try and tackle, and then get a bit of prep work before the forum. How are we going? How are we going to solve the major problems? Almost like a voting system, and then um, show people. Well, the benefit of, of the experience, get get some really good speakers at those events that, that can help convey that message. And really a big networking event, chance for people to, to work together, share best practice. Yeah, isn't isn't it funny using a very human solution of people coming together and connecting to solve potentially a, a sort of a tool or technologically driven area of, of problem or challenge? Yeah, yeah. I mean, but business is all about people, right? Yeah, and I think we sometimes sometimes forget that, and I think that's why you know this show's been very popular with people because it's a, it's not a training program, it's not where you have to sit in a classroom. It's just people sharing their experiences as to what's worked and what hasn't worked, saving a lot of pain and heartache for some of us. And those hard won lessons that that practically work, we we start breaking them down just like we have have there, Simon, and then people can go away and start implementing them straight away and getting value straight away. So it's a very good way of creating value. I just, I just wonder sometimes that maybe why, why have we been slow, so slow to, to have those forums or is it a case they're happening and we're just not aware of them? I mean, what, what do you think? I, well, I think a lot of it comes down to um, education being in silos. Mm. Like, like you said, I mean, I, I did SEMA and, uh, it only really touched on analytics and data very fleetingly, I think. Um, I don't know it's some time ago, but then when you're looking for, when you're trying to recruit people with those skills, you just can't find yeah. people that have no, commercial no, finance yeah. and the data management and such like skills. You just, they're just not there. You have to really dig for them. And then when you do yeah. find people with those both sets of skills, you have to pay through the nose for them, really, because they're so rare. Well, actually, that's a very good point. I mean, you're right. So, so like I've struggled in, in hiring people with those those um, skills and and in, and lean to lock with the finance skills. So, what I've done had to do lately, Simon, is actually uh, offshore, right? Where I could get those high quality skills at a, a cost that was acceptable to the business, um, and and to you know build a team where some people were stronger in those sort of data engineering. Yeah. Uh, some people call it, you know getting up to data science. I even heard the expression data wrangler. Okay, yeah. <laughs> uh, you know, which is really cool. And that could be a very popular role coming up. And I think finance people with those data skills would be very good at that. And um, and then complementing them with finance analysts and managers and so on. Yeah. Uh, and and building a team that that together is stronger than its parts. I suppose that's what leaders have to do. But um, I still do think that there's benefits for individual finance people at least gaining an appreciation or introduction of what's possible because then that opens up the number of possibilities of what we can do and what our organizations can achieve. And even if we haven't got the full range of skills, just the knowledge of what's, what's potentially possible can lead to so much value creation in our organizations. Absolutely, absolutely. I, I, know, I know my myself, a lot, of, a lot of finance people really do have an inquisitive mind. They just need to yeah. channeled into the right into the right direction to say, look, look at this. This can be done. Why don't you go and find out how to do it? But if you don't know it, you don't okay. know what you don't know. 
that's it. That's it. I mean, we're all we're all guilty of being ignorant of our own ignorance, right? So, Absolutely. Yeah. Where, yeah. So, and, and and you know, and I, I, I yeah, like we, I, I know, I don't know if finance people are a particular breed, but we are very curious, definitely. Whether whether it is actually piecing our way through transaction or audit logs, or even just trying to figure out what does the analysis all mean, um, or trying to get things to balance, we're, we are generally very inquisitive. So, so actually, we are really naturally suited to this. I, I, you know, I'm, tr- I'm trying to sell people more and sort of some more data skills here, but it is, re- it's really valuable to have them, and 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 it is quite interesting. Sometimes, I've seen finance professionals and and conversations having with them, we get on IT's case a lot about you know budgets and the tools they're developing and maybe not being as customer orientated but i'm pretty sure i think there was a comment you made earlier if i if i, if I get it right it was something like some things that it could teach finance yes you know what what would be the main main things if we were to be open-minded on and some of us are in finance and some of us could be better in this space what things should we be open-minded as to what it can teach us Simon, in your mind? Sure, absolutely. It's, uh, <laughs> it's something I've spent a lot of time doing at Sports Direct in reality. <laughs> um, so I, what I find with the ITs, the DBAs, and the SQL developers, they're absolutely fantastically highly skilled at data. But they're not so good at answering business questions mm. and putting the two together. Once the um, IT guys understand what you're trying to do, which isn't easy to get them to understand because they don't think that way. They don't think like if you said the finance is really an art more than a science, but the the data is a science. And it, it, mm. it tends to be two different mindsets. So the, the IT guys can teach the the analysts, the finance analysts, how to get the data out more efficiently and how to how to deal with rogue bits of data because no one's got perfect data, right? Exactly. How to do that cleansing and how to deal with it. Now, I've I've probably wasted far too many hours of my career cleaning data. You know, <laughs> <laughs> some, some I, 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 shows you a way. Oh, you can just do this. Oh, God. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Oh God, you bring back some painful memories. Yes. How many people listening to this podcast can say the same? Oh my word. Yes. But there's, there's a whiz in IT that, that could say, oh, you could do this or that. Yeah. Yeah. But there tends to be a natural barrier between the two departments, I think. One yeah. won't let the other in and the other one won't let them see the business data. So I'm like, oh, come on, guys. We all kind of do the same thing. Yeah. Well, I can't get yeah. access to that. You might change it. Well, no, you won't. Come on. <laughs> yeah yeah i actually it was quite it was quite it was quite funny i was involved with a conversation i was hiring someone I said look i'll come and work in your team he was a, he was a data scientist yeah. but as long as you can make sure that it let me have access to the data i said look as long as there's a business case that it makes it worth our while getting at the data i'm sure that's not gonna be a problem hey i work in finance it's all about value creation mm. so um so we did get it get to it but it's just that 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 uh, perception sometimes that it or it could be the other way around finance actually hoard the data yeah rather than and the worried. I mean, obviously, governance and security are big issues on on both sides. Just you know, if there's value to be had, then it's again getting getting people to see the value in it of doing it, and only doing it when it's when it's necessary. So that's a really really good point that you raise, Simon. That um, I know I, I joke about, but we are putting unnecessary barriers in the place to actually adding value for 
not just finance, but also IT. So there's a potential win-wins there that are being left on the table. Yeah. Are there any sort of other areas we could work better on together? Yeah, absolutely. Always. And it can start with the smallest project. It just gets the way of working going. That's it. That's it. I, and actually, it's funny, I actually, when I started, I probably felt more like finance was more of a science. But now if we're looking to collaborate with other teams, it does become a bit more of an art and trying to develop what we're doing in a way that that makes sense it's like maybe translating it or putting it into the right language for um for our counterparts in other teams whether it be it or even taking the insights what we learned together to maybe marketing to develop a promotion yeah you know, or sales yeah. to go and execute i mean yeah. it's it's just it is brought as a very good point actually it's it's thinking outside of finance sometimes to try and how can we translate it and, and take it to others so um yeah so re- really enjoyed it and um and like in terms, I know it's early days were deeper than blue analytics, but I suppose what are the main challenges that, that your customers, your clients are seeing out there that you're helping them with? Well, really, it's about how they can handle all this uh, massive influx of, of data that's now starting to come from your traditional, your traditional transactional sources. But now we've got, you know, they've got the concept of big data where we've got large rafts of unstructured data that are difficult to work with. Unless you've got the skills and the talent and the systems to to merge that in with your data and see what what patterns can be drawn from external factors, for example, how does the weather affect your, affect your uh, demand for your product? All right. How how would you, how would you go about looking at that? That sounds really interesting. I think you've got to have a number of a number of um, sort of benchmark years. If you took a, like, a scientific approach to it, you'd have a control group. Mm-hmm. And you'd say, right, okay, well, what's the normal baseline weather pattern? So this year, for example, we've had probably the hottest three months period ever on, on ever yeah. recorded. <laughs> <laughs> Can you believe they even had a drought in Ireland? I mean, come on. <laughs> Absolutely. It's been that hot. <laughs> Stop raining for a few days. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, exactly. That's it. That's it. That shows you how much water we use. Yeah, and uh, I mean, I, I spent a couple of weeks down in Bordeaux this year, and it was it was odd to see British people hiding in the shade. <laughs> yeah. You know, it's a bit stereotypical, but it, it just shows you that it's becoming normal. That we now, it's not such a rare occurrence to see hot weather that we have to make the most of it. it it's yes. It's now we can let the odd sunny day go because there'll be another one. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. I think, yeah. I think yeah. I think my barbecue this year, the least. <laughs> Weirdly. Oh, that's just, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But see, that must then play into the analytics because you're probably not the owner. I, I, I'm, I would say I'm the same. I mean, I've not had to replace the gasoline on the barbecue this year. No, exactly. So uh, exactly. that says a lot, you know. So, like, so, so, like, you know, those those things are feeding into the data. Mm-hmm. So the weather, it sounds a very interesting thing to capture. And I agree with your control group. And how would you then sort of take it forward to um, to sort of generate some insights back for the business? Well, it's something something that I've got quite a bit of experience with at, at Sports Direct. So we broke down a million SKU catalog of product into lots of different subclasses. And even down, if you then go down to things like football boots, we've got the different the different types of boots. You've got the firm ground, the soft ground. You've got the different genders, because there is such a thing as women's, girls' biased boots. And you've got ages and sizes. And each one of them has a very different normal seasonality. 
But then within any one year, that seasonality is affected by weather. And also, not only that, there's then, as the weather, as, as the UK has gradually got more and more firm ground, Mm-hmm. The demand for the for the moulded pattern football boot has has grown, and the soft ground's fallen away. But then you get into a different country. Obviously, sports direct is multinational. You get a very different climate, so you get a very different pattern. And it's it's knowing and interpreting that when you enter into a new market that can make you make or break you. There's no point in opening, you know, opening shops in the southern Mediterranean selling ski wear. yeah yeah. i know i know know that sounds common sense but like we've probably seen some very strange things happen in business because such subtle differences in the the molding of a of a football boot say yeah um you know it can can take away from having the right products on shelves and ultimately the profitability and sustainability of the business so you know it's uh, maybe obvious to us but sometimes it's it's actually the right thing to ask the most obvious questions and do the obvious things with the data if then particularly if they're not being done i mean i remember working in a particular company mature they weren't even looking at the margins of their products really or or margins of accounts yeah yeah <laughs> but it's such a fundamental thing because they were such a, they were still caught in a revenue growth phase mindset yeah so yeah. so they they were maturing and never really looked at it. And then there's loads of opportunity just from doing the basic stuff. You'd learn on a on an accounting qualification, be it CMA, ACCA, or yeah. your CPA. You'd learn how to look at profitability across account, product, yeah. geographic location. Yeah. Sometimes it's the obvious things with the data. So, so I agree. Even start small control groups, benchmarking. It's it's we have the knowledge. It's just linking up with the data in the right way and bringing in the right professionals if we haven't got the talent or or developing the talent internally. By, by, and I loved your, your, your thoughts there about the introduction to SQL. What a great way of doing it. And hence, I still use SQL today, uh, many years on, because it's probably the most effective and fastest way of getting at the data re- necessary for the, the insights. Yeah, absolutely. So, and you can start as simple or as complicated as you want, really. Obviously. Yeah, yeah. Start simple and build yeah. up a, a skill set. Yeah, and by the way, I, I do I do still love Excel, but there's just some things that that SQL and and data tables you can do faster with. So um, particularly when it's consolidated, and then you know, to some sometimes you would probably then use Excel to play with the data. Yeah, uh, I, I generally will mock up a small. If I'm starting a new project, I'll generally knock up mm-hmm. a small Excel model of a very small subset of data to demonstrate what I'm talking about. Good, exactly. Quickly, quick, easy prototyping tool. For, for things like that. Yeah. And, and think of all the experience we have with Excel. So so we have some tools to make this an easy journey if we want to choose it. But it's just, I think, you know, again, it's like you sort of said with the forums, it's just making people aware of what's possible, what people are doing, yeah, and, and the opportunity there and some of the lessons as well. So Simon, really appreciate you sharing all of that. Um, I'd, I'd love to maybe ask you some rapid fire questions. Yes. And... Um, and one of our, our favorite ones is, I suppose, what's been the best bit of advice you've ever received? Um, if I could put a spin on that a little bit there, um, it would be never stop learning. So I, I, whether it's a piece of advice, I can't remember whether I ever received it, but it's what I would give. Um, All right. So I think that's even more, even more important now as technology delivers new opportunity. I was reading something this morning that said um, today's people studying their degrees today, by the time they've finished, there'll be new jobs that don't exist. That's the pace of change is so quick. So 
you, yeah. you, you'd be starting to go down a career that you don't know what to do yet. <laughs> yeah so it's like it's like it's like you know those people that are probably getting their newly minted accounting qualification and their degrees right so they probably think i've done all this work i can finally stop learning i think your advice is sort of saying is probably no it's in hindsight based on your career you got to keep on learning you can't stop learning absolutely absolutely and it is exactly what you said is exactly what i thought when i got there oh that's it <laughs> yeah <laughs> I'm now i can stop no, 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 <laughs> not at all. No, no. You got, 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 yeah, no, exactly. I completely agree. And um, and I suppose that, that probably leads that into another question. Is there any sort of resources or things you, you sort of seek out or you find good resources for those sort of blogs or keeping up to date and keep the learning going? Yeah, I think some of the some of the best things. I, I always tell people that one of my preferred starting points is LinkedIn. Look at what, look at what your peers are talking about and learning from them. And, and then you will see, it's, it's where I came across one of my favorite ones, is um, one called FPNA Trends. Yeah, that's which, a good one. Which is great. It gives a lot of really good articles and advice. It's something I probably spent half of my time reading is on LinkedIn articles or something. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it, yeah, but it's, it's put down. It's, it's very addictive, and very informative. It, it's addictive, but I, you know, I think it's a necessary investment in these times. Um, professional investment, at least, and some good personal stuff on there as well. But from a professional perspective, it's it's an investment. So, so uh, addictive or not, I, I do think it's a good use of our time to be on LinkedIn. And yeah, that's um, that's the main platform for this show as well. Yeah. So uh, yeah. I highly encourage people to to check it out. Um, any so FPNA trends is a good one. Um, we had Larissa the the main facilitator behind that, the leader behind that. She's been on the show and, and um, shared some great insights. Yes, so, yeah. you know, that's one of them out there. And there, there are others too. So if you couldn't go far wrong by checking out FP&A trends. No, and that'll lead so on to, great, to, great to finding out others as well. And exactly. Find that there's a big circle out there that can, can give you a lot of guidance and it, it, it doesn't cost anything. It just costs you time. Uh, and Simon, in terms of when people are looking online, perhaps might want to connect with you what's the best way to find find you or connect with you at um i'm i have a profile on linkedin quite active on twitter and obviously through our, our website as well at deeperthanblue.co.uk excellent and and look i'll put those resources in with the show notes as well but before we sort of finish up is there any sort of maybe closing advice you'd give to our audience in terms of maybe how to remain relevant over the next 12 months or anything they should be doing in yeah, accounting and finance? I, I think um, particularly with uh, organizations like CMA, you've got a, a important part of staying relevant is your cpd and i would always say to people that they're have to prioritize your CPD above many, many other things. So if you said that people tend to prioritize urgent things that are not important ahead of things that are very important, yes. but not urgent. Now I think CPD is, is the latter. It's very important, but never urgent. You can always defer it a week or something. Yep. As a result, they, you then get more and more distractions come in that are urgent that you, you never find time to do your CPD. I said, so you just got to break that cycle. Book your own time in to, to focus on your own development. I, I, I couldn't add anything more to that because that's exactly what I've had to do in my career. Yeah. It's so fundamental. Yeah. Yeah. It's something I do and I found it very useful. And that's when you then say, oh, okay, I'll now have a plan once a year to say, right, I'm going to learn a bit of SQL. I'm going to learn a bit of databases. I'm going to learn a bit of data visualization and all the things that 
can take your career to the next level and give you that ability to produce a bit more wow factor. Yeah, like that. I think we need to lay that down as a challenge to our audience is make sure you're blocking out time for the important activities. Yes, there's urgent, yeah. but you've got to put the time in your diary. You've got to do it. And what better to start with maybe SQL if, if you're looking to get data to solve problems or if you're looking to try and communicate it, maybe some data visualization. Yeah. Two great areas to start. Yeah. Yes. So, so, so Simon, look, really appreciate you coming on the show, um, sharing those thoughts, your journey, also what we can perhaps uh, learn from IT, but also in terms of do better in our careers, particularly around the data, the tech and the tools. So thank you for coming on to our show today and being such a great guest. Thank you. Thanks for having me. So there you have it. Hope you enjoyed today's show. If you'd like to know more about our guests today, their bio, and follow up on the resources mentioned during the show, you can find all the relevant links and more at sitnshow.com. There you'll also be able to get access to earlier shows, read the latest blogs. There's also an opportunity to subscribe to our newsletter, which will give you heads up as to when the next show is coming out, latest events, news, and anything that's going to be relevant to help you have a fun, rewarding, and successful career in finance and accounting. And just before you go, we really appreciate your feedback. If there's something we can do better on the show, something that's not working, or something you'd like to see, even a guest you'd like for us to invite onto the show, someone who you think might be able to benefit you more and also the rest of our community, please let me know. You can email me. I'm at andrew at sitnshow.com or feel free to connect with me on LinkedIn. Just drop me a message so I know how you found me and we can connect. And really, it's our community that will make the show. If we keep engaging and driving each other on, we'll keep on building our strength in the numbers. When all is said and done, if we can do the numbers better and finance better, we'll create more opportunities for ourselves, our friends, our families, our communities and our businesses. So until next time, have a good rest of the week. Take care and let's keep building our strength in the numbers.